Good morning. Welcome to worship at St. Matthew Lutheran Church. It is wonderful to have you with us in the streaming worship. Today is Palm Sunday, Passion Sunday, so it is a pleasure to have you with us. We do move towards Holy Week now with our Palm Sunday, our Passion Sunday, as we recognize the most profound ways that God acts in our lives. And so I invite you to take your palms, hopefully you've had a chance to get them from the church, um, so that you can grab them now and raise them as we will begin with a blessing of the palms. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Let us pray. We praise you, O God, for redeeming the world through our Savior, Jesus Christ. Today he entered the holy city in triumph and was proclaimed Messiah and King by those who spread garments and branches along his way. Bless these branches and those who carry them. Grant us grace to follow our Lord in the way of the cross so that joined to his death and resurrection, we enter into life with you. Through the same Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. <laughs> and now it is children's time. And so peace be with you. It's so good to have you with us today. Today is Palm Sunday. And so you notice we have something a little different. I'm not wearing the burlap this week. We've been wearing that for the last several weeks. And we're not quite done with it yet. If you're coming on Friday to the children's service, bring it with you. We're going to use it then. But today, we, we wore the burlap to, for our way of saying sorry to God for the things that we have done wrong. And so we've been focused on that. But now today, we take these palm branches and the people used the palms to wave when Jesus went by and to, to proclaim that he was a gift from God to us. He was to be our king. And so we focus on praising God because that's God's response to all the ways we say sorry. God sent Jesus to redeem us from our sins. And so we say thank you and praise to God for that this week. And so that's why we carry these palms this week and, and have a blessing of them, is to remember the ways that Jesus is God's gift to us, to show God's love. Thank you so much. Enjoy the palms. Amen. <clears throat> and now let us pray. As we enter now into the contemplation of the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ and meditate on the salvation of the world through his suffering, death, burial, and resurrection, let us pray. Everlasting God, in your endless love for the human race, you sent our Lord Jesus Christ to take on our nature and to suffer death on the cross. In your mercy, enable us to share in his obedience to your will and in his glorious victory of his resurrection. He who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. And now let us hear the passion of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Mark. It was two days before the Passover and the festival unleavened bread. The chief priests and the scribes were looking for a way to arrest Jesus by stealth and kill him, for they said, Not during the festival, or there may be a riot among the people. While he was at Beth Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he sat at the table, a woman came with an alabaster jar, a very costly ointment of nard, and she broke open the jar 
and poured the ointment on his head. But some were there who said to one another in anger, Why was this ointment wasted in this way? For the ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and the money given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, Let her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has performed a good service for me. For you always have the poor with you, and you can show kindness to them whenever you wish. But you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for its burial. Truly, I tell you, wherever the good news is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in remembrance of her. Then Judas Iscariot, who was one of the twelve, went to the chief priests in order to betray him to them. When they heard it, they were greatly pleased and promised to give him money. So he began to look for an opportunity to betray him. On the first day of unleavened bread, when the Passover lamb is sacrificed, his disciples said to him, Where do you want us to go and make preparation for you to eat the Passover? So he sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go into the city, and a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him, and wherever he enters, say to the owner of the house, The teacher asks, Where is my guest room where I may eat the Passover with my disciples? He will show you a large room upstairs, furnished and ready. Make preparations for us there. So the disciples set out and went to the city and found everything as he had told them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When it was evening, he came with the twelve, and when they had taken their places and were eating, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me, one who is eating with me. They began to be distressed and to say to him one after another, Surely not I. He said to them, It is one of the twelve, one who is dipping bread into the bowl with me. For the Son of Man goes as it, as it is written of him. But woe to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. While they were eating, he took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to them, and said, Take, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, and all of them drank from it. He said to them, This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Truly I tell you, I will never again drink of the fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new in the kingdom of God. When they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives, and Jesus said to them, you will all become deserters, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Peter said to him, Even though all become deserters, I will not. Jesus said to him, Truly I tell you, this day, this very night, before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. But he said vehemently, Even though I must die with you, I will not deny you. And all of them said the same. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to his disciples, Sit here while I pray. He took with him Peter and James and John, and began to be distressed and agitated. And he said to them, I am deeply grieved, even to death. Remain here and keep awake. And going a little further, he threw himself on the ground and prayed that, if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. He said, Abba, Father, for you all things are possible. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I want, but what you want. He came and found them sleeping, and he said to Peter, Simon, are you asleep? Could you not keep awake one hour? Keep awake and pray that you may not come into the time of trial. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. And again he went away and prayed, saying the same words. 
And once more he came and found them sleeping, for their eyes were very heavy, and they did not know what to say to him. He came a third time and said to them, Are you still sleeping and taking your rest? Enough. The hour has come. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Get up. Let us be going. See, my betrayer is at hand. Immediately, while he was still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, arrived. And with him there was a crowd with swords and clubs from the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. Now the betrayer had given them a sign, saying, The one I will kiss is the man. Arrest him and lead him away under guard. So when he came, he went up to him at once and said, Rabbi. And he kissed him. Then they laid hands on him and arrested him. But one of those who stood near drew his sword and struck the slave of the high priest, cutting off his ear. Then Jesus said to them, Have you come out with swords and clubs to arrest me as though I were a bandit? Day after day I was with you in the temple teaching, and you did not arrest me. But let the scriptures be fulfilled. All of them deserted him and fled. A certain young man was following him, wearing nothing but a linen cloth. They caught hold of him, but he left the linen cloth and ran off naked. They took Jesus to the high priest, and all of the chief priests, the elders, and the scribes were assembled. Peter had followed him at a distance, right into the courtyard of the high priest. And he was sitting with the guards, warming himself at the fire. Now the chief priests and the whole council were looking for testimony against Jesus to put him to death. But they found none. For many gave false testimony against him, and their testimony did not agree. Some stood up and gave false testimony against him, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands, and in three days I will build another not made with hands. But even on this point, their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Have you no answer? What is it that they testify against you? But he was silent and did not answer. Again, the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah, the Son of the Blessed One? Jesus said, I am. And you will see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of the power and the coming with the clouds of heaven. Then the high priest tore his clothes and said, Why do we still need witnesses? You have heard this blasphemy. What is your decision? All of them condemned him as deserving death. Some began to spit on him, to blindfold him, and to strike him, saying to him, Prophesy! The guards also took him over and beat him. While Peter was below in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by. When she saw Peter warming himself, she stared at him and said, You also were with Jesus, the man from Nazareth. But he denied it, saying, I do not know or understand what you're talking about. And he went out into the forecourt. Then the cock crowed, and the servant girl, on seeing him, began again to say to the bystanders, This man is one of them. But again he denied it. Then after a little while, the bystanders again said to Peter, Certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. But he began to curse, and he swore an oath. I do not know this man you are talking about. At that moment, the cock crowed for a second time. Then Peter remembered that Jesus had said to him, Before the cock crows twice, you will deny me three times. And he broke down and wept. As soon as it was morning, the chief priests held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. They bound Jesus, led him away, and handed him over to Pilate. Pilate asked him, Are you the king of the Jews? He answered him, You say so. Then the chief priests accused him of many things. Pilate asked him again, Have you no answer? 
See how many charges they bring against you. But Jesus made no further reply, so that Pilate was amazed. Now at the festival, he used to release a prisoner for them, anyone for whom they asked. Now a man called Barabbas was in prison with the rebels who had committed murder during the insurrection. So the crowd came and began to ask Pilate to do for them according to his custom. Then he answered them, Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he realized that it was out of jealousy that the chief priests had handed him over. But the chief priests stirred up the crowd to have him release Barabbas for them instead. Pilate spoke to them again. Then what do you wish me to do with the man that you call the king of the Jews? They shouted back, Crucify him! Pilate asked them, Why? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, Crucify him! So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, released Barabbas for them. And after flogging Jesus, he had him handed over to be crucified. Then the soldiers led him into the courtyard of the palace, that is, the governor's headquarters, and they called together the whole cohort, and they clothed him in a purple cloak. And after twisting some thorns into a crown, they put it on him, and they began saluting him. Hail, King of the Jews! They struck his head with a reed, spat upon him, and knelt down in homage to him. After mocking him, they stripped him of the purple cloak and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him out to crucify him. They compelled a passerby who was coming in from the country to carry his cross. It was Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus. Then they brought Jesus to the place called Golgotha, which means the place of a skull. And they offered him wine mixed with myrrh, but he did not take it. And they crucified him and divided his clothes among them, casting lots to decide what each should take. It was nine o'clock in the morning when they crucified him. The inscription of the charge against him read, The King of the Jews. And with him they crucified two bandits, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by derided him, shaking their heads and saying, Aha! You who would destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself and come down from the cross. In the same way, the chief priests, along with the scribes, were also mocking him among themselves and saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. Let the Messiah, the King of Israel, come down from the cross now so that we may see and believe. Those who were crucified with him also taunted him. When it was noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three o'clock, Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of the bystanders heard it, they said, Listen, he's calling for Elijah. And someone ran, filled a sponge with sour wine, put it on a stick, and gave it him to drink, saying, Wait, let us see whether Elijah will come to take him down. Then Jesus gave a loud cry and breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two, from top to bottom. Now when the centurion, who stood facing him, saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, Truly, this man was God's son. There were also women looking on from a distance. Among them were Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James the younger, and Joseph and Salome. They used to follow him and provided for him when he was in Galilee. And there were many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem. When evening had come, and since it was the day of preparation, that is, the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, a respected member of the council, who was also himself waiting expectantly for the kingdom of God, went boldly to Pilate 
and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate wondered if he were already dead, and summoning the centurion, he asked him whether he had been dead for some time. When he learned from the centurion that he was dead, he granted the body to Joseph. Then Joseph bought a linen cloth, and taking down the body, wrapped it in linen cloth, and laid it in a tomb that had been hewn out of the rock. He then rolled a stone against the door of the tomb. Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of Joseph, saw where the body was laid. What does it look like when God acts in this world? We have been pondering through the season of Lent the theme of God acts. So what does it look like for God to act in this world? As Christians, we proclaim that the definitive action of God in this world is seen in the passion and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. And so we have just heard the full telling of the story of the passion of Jesus' arrest, suffering, abandonment, and death, according to the Gospel of Mark. So does it seem like God has acted? What is it that God is doing in this story that we say is the definitive account of God's action? What is God doing? It does not seem to make much sense, as far as I can tell. Where is the hope? Where is God at work? Jesus seems pretty passive, really. 
Why do we want to listen to this story? Do we make it so central to our worship? We don't want to hear such a disturbing story, do we? None of us want an account of suffering, of a hopeless situation. None of us want to look at the headlines today, the stories of suffering around the world, of more shootings, of more clashes and death in Myanmar, of church bombings in Indonesia, of the potentially devastating spread of COVID through Brazil and Papua New Guinea, of the signs of another wave starting here. None of us want to hear any of that. It would so be so much easier to forget about it, so much easier to not pay attention. There's no sign of God anywhere in any of it, is there? And yet we turn to this story year after year, this story of brutality and injustice, and we proclaim that God acts in it. We proclaim that somehow in Jesus' meekness, we see the power of God. How can that be? And how did it get to this point? It all goes downhill so quickly. Jesus' entry into Jerusalem with palms was, after all, in many ways the high point of his ministry. For the apostles, all of their hopes were becoming reality. For three years, they had committed their lives to the hope that this Jesus would change the world. For three years, they had walked at his side and he, as he had won converts across the countryside. And now it was time to move to the big city, the holy center of their faith, to the place where Jesus' new teachings could be put into practice for all of Israel. For three years, they had seen Jesus do spectacular things, overcome seemingly impossible situations time and again. It had been three years of buildup to this moment, and everything was going perfectly. Jesus brought his ministry to Jerusalem, and the city welcomed him with open arms. God was clearly acting, so the apostles thought. This is what, this is the inspiring story that we want to hear. This is what it looks like when God is at work. And then it fell apart. Three years of buildup and growth, of continued success, suddenly disappeared. Everything fell apart worse than they could ever have imagined. What started so well quickly became Jesus appearing before the high priest, and then Pilate, and then his crucifixion, all within a week. How could God be involved in this? The powers of this world work so quickly, so decisively. Where is God? What can God do against this? Where do we turn when things change so drastically and quickly? Sometimes the bottom suddenly drops out of everything. And what can we do but respond with fear and anxiety? And in our anxiety, we go our own way, trying to use our own powers to manage everything. We try to act on our own, figure it out for ourselves. God does not seem to be acting, so we better do it. <clears throat> our response might be fear, anxiety, trying to control, isolation, trying to forget, even denial. But each is an attempt to do things our own way. <clears throat> and in trying to do it our own way, we distance ourselves from God. <clears throat> the apostles, people we often consider to be shining examples of what faith should be, show us that we humans don't often do well at keeping our trust in difficult times, trusting that God really is there and really is acting. Peter denies Jesus three times, as we heard this morning. Judas, believing himself forever separated from Jesus, gave up hope in his own life. Even after the first Easter, the twelve scatter, 
and many went back to their old professions. Seven of the disciples, seven, went back to fishing, to their old routines. When things fell apart, the disciples went their separate ways. When everything fell apart, they distanced themselves from Jesus. Whether it was words like Peter, or actions like Judas, or physical distance like those seven fishermen, all of them distanced themselves from Jesus when things fell apart. Their action was a step away from God. And yet we know that Jesus does not leave the apostles alone. He lets them distance themselves, but he reaches out to them wherever they are. He goes to the beach while the seven fish, telling them where to catch more, and even cooking breakfast for them. Jesus specifically talks to Peter, allowing Peter to overcome his denial by proclaiming his love for Jesus, so that the two might be reconciled and Peter could become a leader of the church. And I believe that God's grace in Christ also reconciled Judas with Jesus even after Judas' death. In whatever way the various apostles distanced themselves from Jesus, he reaches out to them across it. He refuses to leave them alone in their distance. And in the same way, God crosses whatever distance we try to create. God reaches out to us even when we try to go our own way, when we respond to the bottom dropping out of everything through fear, anxiety, attempts to control, from denial. Especially then, God comes to us in quiet, unassuming ways. God refuses to leave us alone in our distance, but is a steady, comforting presence when everything falls apart. When God acts, connections are created. When God acts, we are brought close to God. When God acts, we are moved to love. The Holy Spirit calmly strengthens us in the face of fear, steadies us against anxiety, but also humbles our need for control and agitates our mind against forgetting and denying. The Holy Spirit calls on us to look where we don't want to look in order to see the God who is there not in what we think of as power, but what we would see as meekness, the passivity of Jesus as the great act of God coming for us. And so in this work of the Holy Spirit in our lives, God crosses the distance that we try to create. And so as we enter this holy week and the roller coaster of emotions that it entails, the bottom drops out in the story of the Passion. We have more ups and downs, twists and turns to come, replaying the accounts of all of the last days of Jesus and the ways that God acts through that. Yet what we know above all is that it is the story of how God enters into our world, God with us, enters into the weaknesses of this world, the empty places in this world, and works in ways we could never imagine, with grace we could not anticipate. And so as we come into this holy week, we come to the heart of the story of how God acts in this world, in a love that we could never imagine, with a grace we cannot fathom. And so in holy week, we hear the stories of our human actions separating us from God. Yet even more, we hear the stories of how God's action in Christ brings the Holy Spirit to us, to our world, to our hearts, and the places in need, and calls on us to open our eyes to see that God is at work around us. We hear that God acts in ways that transform us, transforms our lives, and moves us to new life. Jesus may seem passive, but the passion story is the story of God's most profound action. God's action that is revealed in weakness, in meekness, in persistence. God's action that in the midst of the disturbing parts of life, God really is there, bringing forth salvation and healing. 
It is the action of infinite love, of God's passion for life and for justice that refuses to leave us where we are, refuses to leave the world hopeless and God-forsaken. God with us moves us, brings us to open our eyes to this world. We look for the God who is with us and showering us with love, the God who is present in all times, not just the inspiring moments, but the difficult parts too. The God who acts even in moments we would rather ignore and shut our eyes to. The God who is always there. And that same God who acts in the world, acts in our hearts, calling us forward with that same love. And so as we enter this holy week, may our eyes and our ears be opened anew to the ways that God does act around us. Thanks be to God. Amen. As we enter into more than a year of time since COVID entered our lives, let us take today a few moments for a prayer of lament and healing, to lament everything that has been lost in this past year, all the different ways that our lives have been turned upside down, as well as to pray that God continue to enter this world, continue to bring healing and hope into our lives. And so let us have this time of prayer and lament. Let us pray. Gracious God, by day and night we pour out our prayer to you. We are crying out, longing for your peace, longing for your healing, longing for your community. Come quickly to help us, O God. Save those who call upon your name. For the lives lost during this pandemic, how long, O oh Lord? For the isolation and separation from loved ones and beloved communities, how long, O oh Lord? For the times of fear and discomfort, how long, O oh Lord? For the lost opportunities and relationships, how long, O oh Lord? For the economic hardships, how long, O oh Lord? For the stresses of feeling confined, how long, O oh Lord? For the ways we have been distanced from holy times and holy places, how long, O oh Lord? Gracious God, keep us working and praying for the day when your justice will roll down like waters and your righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Replenish our strength and stir up our hope as we look for signs of your coming reign and fill us with the peace that passes understanding, the deep peace of Jesus Christ, our Savior, in whose holy name we pray. Amen. God of all power and love, we give thanks for your unfailing presence and the hope you provide in times of uncertainty and loss. Send your Holy Spirit to and kindle in us your holy fire. Revive us to live as Christ's body in the world, a people who pray, worship, learn, break bread, share life, heal neighbors, bear good news, seek justice, rest, and grow in the Spirit. Wherever and however we gather, unite us in common prayer and send us in common mission that we and the whole creation might be restored and renewed through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And now, relying on the promises of God, we pray boldly for the church, the world, and all in need. In Jesus, you came among us as a suffering servant. Give your church humility Redeem your people from pride and the certainty that we always know your will. 
Heal us and empower us to confess Christ crucified. Hear us, O God. Your, Your mercy, mercy is, is great. great. In creation, life springs from death. Redeem your creation awaiting resurrection. Restore lost habitats and endangered species. Create new possibilities for areas affected by climate change. Grant relief from natural disasters and nurture new growth. Hear us, O God. Your mercy, your mercy is great. Jesus was handed over to the powers of this world. In all nations, instruct the powerful that they would not exploit their power, but maintain justice. Sustain soldiers and guide those who command them, that they serve those in greatest need. Hear us, O God. Your mercy, Your mercy is, is great. great. On the cross, Jesus joined all who feel forsaken. Abide with those who are condemned to death. Defend those who are falsely accused. Console and strengthen those who are mocked or bullied. Accompany all who suffer or are sick, especially Mike, Denise, Skip and Jerry, Tom, Anita, Laura, and Marion. Grant respite and renewal. Hear us, O God. Your, Your mercy, mercy is great. You called followers to tend Jesus' body in death. Sustain hospice workers and funeral directors. Bless this congregation's ministries at times of death. Those who plan and lead funerals, those who prepare meals, all who offer support in grief. Hear us, O God. Your, your mercy, mercy is great. You sustain us with your beautiful spirit. Restore the joy of all who need to know your presence. Those who are lonely or feel unforgivable, isolated or homebound. We pray for all of those who need to sense your presence with them, especially Nancy, Nancy Beth, Dallas, Marge, Karen, Paul, John, Janet, Avis, Alexis, Dave, Chris, Elise, Patricia, and Willie. Hear us, O oh God. Your mercy, Your mercy is great. Jesus calls us to follow him in life and death. Empower this congregation in discipleship. Equip children and teachers in Sunday school confirmation, and learning ministries. Strengthen this congregation's ministries of care and concern as we pray especially for Diane and Stephen, Bob and Lynn, Ethan, Shelley, and Alexander, Doris and Barbara. Give us your truth and wisdom and teach us to follow Jesus. Hear us, O God. Your mercy, Your mercy is, is great. great. You inspired the centurion to confess Jesus as your son. We praise you for the faith you have given to people of all places and times. Give us also such faith to trust the promises of baptism and, with them, to look for the resurrection of the dead. Hear us, O God. Your mercy, Your mercy is, is great. great. We entrust ourselves and all our prayers to you, O faithful God, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. The peace of Christ be with you always. And also with you. Let us share signs of that peace. And God's peace to you. Once again, good morning and welcome to live stream worship from St. Matthew Lutheran Church. We're so pleased you've joined us today. And if it's your first visit, we hope you'll continue to tune in. Here are the opportunities for worship this Holy Week 
Both Maundy Thursday and Good Friday will be live streamed on our YouTube channel at 7.30 p.m. Also for Monday, Thursday at 1.45, there will be a brief Zoom service to consecrate the elements for Holy Communion distribution at a 2 p.m. drive-through. Additionally, on Good Friday at 3 p.m. in the parking lot, Pastor will provide a brief service for children to help them better understand the significance of this day. And continuing the Moorestown Good Friday tradition, the seven last words of Christ, Trinity Episcopal Church will provide a virtual opportunity this year by coordinating seven ministerium pastors for that event. Pastor Eric will do word number four. That YouTube link will be made available to you so you may view some or all of the service at your convenience. Also, just a few more days to petition the Memorial Fund for distribution. Submissions are due by this Wednesday, March 31st. Contact the office for the form. And next Saturday, April 3rd, St. Matt's is hosting an Easter egg hunt outside at 11 a.m. RSVPs are requested to Peggy by today. Then later that evening at 6.30 p.m., our current ninth grade confirmands will affirm their baptism as part of an Easter vigil service. The congregation is invited to attend this outdoor event, weather permitting. If inclement weather, it will be indoors for confirmation families only. Please note, on April 11th, the Sunday after Easter, St. Matt's will not be live streaming. Now I'm gonna repeat that in case you're sipping your coffee or crunching your toast. April 11th, the Sunday after Easter, St. Matt's will not be live streaming. The New Jersey Synod will provide a virtual link for us. And in closing, looking further ahead to April, mark your calendars to join the Zoom event facilitated by our green team as they present a very special lesson for our Sunday school families. That's April 25th at 11.15 a.m. And in closing, as Pastor said, there are palms out front should you want to come by and pick some up. Thank you. Let us pray. God of mercy and grace, the eyes of all wait upon you and you open your hand in blessing. Fill us with your spirit that we may share of the good you have given us and come to the help of all in need through Jesus Christ, our Redeemer and Lord. Amen. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Save us from the time of trial and deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. And now receive the benediction. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord's face shine on you with grace and mercy. The Lord look upon you with favor and give you peace. Amen. Amen. Go in peace. Serve the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to God. God. Thank you.